You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. In the land of Mark Padon's birth and youth, the final days of May and first week of June this year, like many since the Ukrainian revolution of 2014, throbbed with anxiety and echoed with mortar and gunfire. According to Ukrainian joint forces between May the 26th and May the 30th, pro-Russian troops and tanks broke the latest notional ceasefire between the two sides 15 or more times. The attacks had become so frequent in the Donbass region that they were, are now part of daily life like the widely held view that there is no neat, emphatic resolution of the conflict in sight. Either Donbass returning to its former life as the uncontested easternmost outpost of Ukraine, or Russia taking control of the region like it did with Crimea in 2014. Happily for Mark Padun, his parents didn't hear the gunfire for they had fled the region and the bullets earlier in what is misleadingly referred to as the Revolution of Dignity. Padun himself was also well out of harm's way racing in the Criterium du Dauphiné in France, and on the race's final weekend in the Alps, causing a sensation by winning back-to-back -back stages. His post-race interviews were also a revelation, introducing to the global cycling audience a bright-eyed, effervescent character totally at odds with the stereotypes that have lingered about riders from former Soviet bloc nations. The Ukrainian rider from the Bahrain victorious is going to do the unthinkable. He's going to make it double up time, back-to-back -back wins. Mark Padun, Bahrain victorious, take a bow because it's double bubble for Bahrain victorious. Uh, honestly, uh, after yesterday's victory, it was so much stress because I was so happy that I was uh, hardly falling asleep. So I decided to forget completely what happened yesterday. But it actually was um, uh, impossible to do, but in the, in the best way I did it. So I concentrated to team performance uh, from the start, just to go into the breakaway, to do everything possible for, for the team result. And in the end, it went, it went in the best possible way. I have this jersey, I have one more stage victory in the last day of Criterion Dauphine. It's, it's a dream. If uh, think, thinking normally, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be some, uh, some change in my... Uh, in my in my placement in the team, I think. But now I don't don't want to think about it. I just want to join the victory, speak with my closest people, and uh, celebrate it. Clearly, deeply religious, Padun thanked God for his miraculous weekend, and more mundanely, the advantages he had gained from his work with Bahrain's nutritionist Nicola Moschetti. In the space of a few weeks, he had shed five kilos. Hence, finally a prodigy whose class had already dazzled in his amateur days, notably in the Giro della Val d'Osta and Baby Giro in 2016 and 2017, was finally able to fulfil the potential that many already suspected was his. Earlier this week at the Vuelta, Padun's contemporary and former fellow scourge of the under-23 category, Pavel Sivakov, remembered some of their battles. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, Baby Giro, but also the year before in 16, Valle d'Aosta, he was already 
impressive there. He won uh, the first stage, if I remember, one like impressive style. I remember with the whole team with BMC, we were actually pulling behind in the valley, and he was on his own in front, and he managed to pull the win off. So, yeah, definitely, definitely, I knew his talent, and then the year after he confirmed again. But he, yeah, I would say he's, this is his breakthrough. Uh, yeah, the, 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 his performance in the Dauphiné though is like another level, you know, the World Tour, that was something really impressive, but I always knew that um, he's a really good rider, and uh, yeah, I think um, I think it's not a big surprise to see him also at a very high level now in the mountains. You know, as a, as a fan, you don't really know, like, the work you put in, let's say, in an early stage of a race, or something like that, it takes more energy out of you than you think, like, you know, probably he was just helping his teammates, on all these first years and now he got a shot at going for it and you know you also learn a lot about yourself what you need to do to be at a level and it probably takes for some guys takes more time than others and uh, you know I can see it also now for myself a lot of people might think that I was coming from GC here and I see a few comments like saying yeah why he's losing time why you go so slower like in the mountains and stuff but you know when you when you do a different job then uh, going for yourself is also a different and I think uh, Mark had like a great shot uh, going for it this year I think he had a really good prep with some Tenerife camps and stuff probably the first time I think he was with Barline in Tenerife so you know these kind of details just add up and then you see yeah you see the outcome of course not everyone had seen Padun at age 19 not everyone was so complimentary about his performance at the Dauphiné. Le Parisien newspaper's post-race report the following day resembled a hatchet job. It quoted an anonymous team manager who called Padun's exhibition shameful, not so much insinuating doping as accusing him explicitly, without any evidence beyond two days on which the 24-year-old had clearly had diamonds in his legs. While their dissenting voice wasn't an isolated one, Others who had followed Padon's career more closely and knew him personally were less surprised. In the late 1990s, Ivan Quaranta was hailed as the new Mario Cipollini, a flamboyant Formula One speed sprinter who, alas, never quite lived up to early expectations, despite six Giro d'Italia stage wins. Post-retirement as a rider, Quaranta has become the director sportif of one of Italy's top amateur teams, the Bergamo-based Team Colpac. In 2016, one of their new recruits was a 19-year-old from Donetsk in eastern Ukraine, Mark Padun. Quaranta recalled this week that Padun's physiological numbers were, to quote him, phenomenal when he auditioned for a place at Kolpak ahead of the 2016 season. But initially, Padron almost wowed Quaranta and the team's other staff more off the bike than he did on it. He was certainly a continent, if not a world away from many ex-Eastern bloc riders Quaranta had known in the past. Sociable, extroverted and above all, unusually self-sufficient. Kolpak were paying him and were surprised when he declared that he wouldn't invest in a car. Instead, he walked or cycled two or three kilometres to get shopping, returning back to the team billet loaded up like a pack mule. Then there was the time shortly after joining Colpac when Quaranta and his fellow Dieses saw Padun's social media posts from training rides near Pescara on Italy's Adriatic coast. They were bemused until Padun matter-of-factly explained that when he saw snow on the weather forecast for Bergamo, 
He'd simply booked a taxi, flight and hotel and arranged a one-man training camp in warmer climes. He finally bought his first car after turning professional in 2018. In the saddle, Quaranta says that Padron could simply do what he wanted. There were victories, extraordinary if unrewarded 100km breakaways, and times when training partners who were now fully-fledged pros, the likes of Giulio Ciccone and Fausto Masnada, were straining to hold his wheel. For Ivan Quaranta then, the exploits of early June were not a shock, more an overdue inevitability, and the cause of great delight. For as Quaranta put it to me, they were accomplished by a kid who came from nothing. You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Um, I'm Nathan Smith, I'm 20 years old, I'm from the UK and I ride for Team Nova Nordisk Development Squad. I'm relatively new to cycling really because I did, I did triathlon for 10 years almost since I was very small but I just always liked the cycling bit and then 2018 I made the switch just to cycling and at this point I was already diagnosed with diabetes, that was how 2016 I was diagnosed so... It, it didn't change much when I changed just to cycling. If anything, it was easier to manage manage diabetes. Obviously, last year, the team couldn't put on a in-person talent ID camp as they normally would because of obvious, obvious reasons, really. So they partnered up with the Sufferfest and, yeah, they put on a virtual a virtual one using Zwift as well and Wahoo trainers and everything. So, And then... Yeah, we had group rides, we had races, we had Zoom calls as well with the staff, with the presentations and everything. And then, yeah, I just went along, joined along, um, did everything and then got an email afterwards and asking me to join the development team for this year. path to Italy had mimicked that of another Ukrainian rider years earlier, Yaroslav Popovich. Brought to Italy thanks to the legendary bike builder Ernesto Colnago's long-standing contacts in Ukraine, then gifted to the Bergamo-based Palazzago team and its director Olivano Locatelli, Popovich's success as an amateur led to premature comparisons with Eddie Merckx. Padun was different, and indeed soon left Palazzago for Kolpak, because he and Locatelli didn't gel. But Popovich can still see they had much in common. Now I'm thinking back to 20 years ago when I came over. They were different times. We didn't have any information about anything back then. We didn't have mobile phones to find things out. You just went where you were told to go, shut up and got on with it. To get in contact with my mum back in Ukraine, I'd have to write her letters. So yeah, it's a bit different now, but it still takes a lot of strength of character and independence. I mean, Olivano Locatelli is one of the most decorated under-23 director sportives, but he's got balls as big as footballs. He'll tear you apart. So if you survive that... Mark's obviously a really strong rider and he's becoming very popular in Ukraine because we only have a couple of riders at the top level. Let's hope Mark goes his own way and gets some great results because it's very important for my country. Lots of kids are looking at him, are following him, 
and want to be like him. So yes, it's very important. Importante per la mia per il mio paese perché tanti corridori giovani lo guardano, lo seguono e vogliono essere come lui è molto 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 importante. Padun turned pro with Bahrain Merida in 2018 and immediately demonstrated his class, winning a stage of the Tour of the Alps. The following year he took the general classification in the Adriatica Ionica stage race. But since then his progress has at least appeared fitful, erratic even, which is also what his coaches and team directors have sometimes said about his form. Mutual acquaintances speak of several issues, a bout of shingles, misguided weight loss strategies, even the shadow of strife back home, all of which Padun seemed to have overcome in the spring. So strong did he look at the Dauphiné that some pundits even added him to their list of favourites for the Tour de France. Just one problem, he was supposedly never on his team's shortlist for the Tour and hadn't done enough to change their mind. Bahrain at least didn't appear to miss him, they won three stages, continuing a run of form that saw the team claim 19 victories in little over three months. A heavy-handed police search of the team hotel in the final week of the race, for which the team said they had no explanation, was a single sour note. One that, to date, has held no consequences of which we're aware. Since then, Bahrain and Padun have continued to impress, notably when winning the Vuelta a Burgos with Mikel Landa two weeks ago. Here at the Vuelta a España, Landa is their leader. But again, some wondered whether Padun could also harbour GC ambitions. I asked him about this and a few other things on the morning of stage three to Picon Blanco. Well, Mark, first of all, just tell me, what's your condition like? Um, obviously, you were flying earlier in the earlier in the summer, but how are you feeling at the moment? Oh, I feel I feel good now. Uh, the ship the ship is okay. Uh, I I don't know if it's on the same level as in Dauphiné, but it's not bad at all. So this is the answer. We all expected you to be selected for the tour team after the Dauphiné, but I don't think you. I don't know if you've given any interviews about it, but just just explain um, from your point of view. You know, were you disappointed, or what the management said to you about why you weren't in the tour team? I prefer not to answer to this question. Okay. And um, what did you do in the summer instead, in July, well, before you started racing again? I still, uh, after the preparation for tour, I just dropped on my bike for a week and been enjoying the summer. And after uh, I just started from the zero, the training, so now, now I'm here. What do you expect from yourself here at the Vuelta? Uh, I, 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 I prepared here for for, win, for for victory for one stage. It's what I would be riding for, and also I'm on uh, charge for the team because we have here the strong leader Mikel Landa. So I'm here first of all for his uh, hoping for his podium on the Vuelta. And you got so many strong domestics, particularly in the mountains. Gino, Walt, Jack. What's the order on a stage like today? Who who pulls first? Who pulls last of those guys I mentioned? You'll see this on TV. Sorry, you'll see it on TV. Okay, all right. Thanks, Mark. It seems curious, given his achievements in June, that Padden is currently officially teamless for 2022. 
a gift from the cycling gods appears to be cradled in Bahrain Victorious's arms, but it seems that they still have some reservations. That, at least, was the impression their director sportive, Gorad Stangli, gave Richard earlier in the week. Mark Padun, I mean, a lot of expectation of him. We saw that extraordinary ride at, at the Dauphiné. Um, what can we expect from him in this wealth, do you think? Probably you saw already something uh, of yesterday's stage. And uh, our objective here is for sure uh, Mikel Landa, first one and uh, only. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we are going to close the door for every other rider. This Vuelta is super open race and uh, there is going to be space for everyone. As uh, maybe Jan Tratnik who is flat or rolling rider. Uh, and I'm pretty sure if Mark will do his job properly he will get uh, opportunities and chances. And also this Vuelta might be a good investment for his future. He, I guess, surprised a lot of people. Were you surprised by his performance at the Dauphiné? Because we know he's very talented. He's had a few difficult years. We all, we all, we all, we all know his talent, but we all know also how uh, his uh, condition is uh, going up and down and his stability is still not uh, good because he is with us already a few years and he showed he show his talent first year, but then he disappeared a bit for a year and a half. Uh, he just have some some peak, but this was maybe one single day. Now he start to showing more constants, but still not. Um, he's gaining the um, the confidence. Of course, he's gaining confidence, but I believe that this Vuelta might be the crucial crucial race for him mm. for his future. Mm. Is he a future? You know, we can see he can climb. Is he a future Grand Tour contender, do you think? Or what's what's his future? On the paper, yes. On the paper, for sure. Let's see how he will uh, uh, manage to do this in this Vuelta. This is what, what I'm saying. That might be this Vuelta the crucial race for him and for his future. 22nd on the Vuelta GC as of Thursday evening with his teammate Lander 9th. Padron was seemingly growing into the Vuelta, one third of the way to Santiago de Compostela. Our conclusion after a week of assembling character references was that Mark Padon is many and different things to many people. A phenom, a future Grand Tour winner, an enigma, a late or just later bloomer when compared to, say, some of the riders who finished immediately in front and behind him at the Under-23 World Championship road race in Innsbruck in 2018. Mark Hirschi, the late Bjorg Lambrecht and Gino Maida in front of him, Tade Pogacar, Ethan Hayter, and Jai Hindley behind him. And to his roommate here in Spain, Yukia Arashiro, a multilingual what monster who also happens to be just a good bloke. Là pour moi c'est c'est bel coureur et puis bon coureur et puis bon mec ressemble aussi. One senses that over the next few months there'll be more layers added to what is a complex picture. He's already one of the stories of the 2021 cycling summer. The unlikely prodigal son of Donbass, whose feats over a weekend in June brought rare moments of solace to old friends and neighbours stalked by fear. Mm-hmm.